You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Well, I, I mean, we're kind of spoiled right now. I, a night without the Bucks playing and winning feels like kind of a, an empty night. So um, <laughs> but Tuesday was a little boring, but... Big game, biggest game of the season, a young season so far, coming up on Wednesday with the Bucks taking on the Sixers in a nationally televised game on ESPN. So um, a good test to see where these uh, far more interesting new-look Bucks are. And um, I know we've got some – we'll talk a little bit about that probably later. But, um, but yeah, basketball's in full swing. What, what more could you ask for? And the Bucks are actually fun. What, what more could you ask for? Yeah, it's it's pretty weird and wild stuff, and um, yeah, I, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I, I think that's kind of uh, it's kind of the sentiment I, I have right now, and the, it, it was just kind of weird throughout the day that you know, like that exchange Giannis and I had had after the game. Uh, one that like some Bucks fans thought it was like confrontational that I was like questioning the scheme when it was like, no, like Giannis and I were just talking about basketball. And then the other thing, it was just like smart people around the basketball internet were all like, oh, look at this. The Bucks figured it out. Um, they they get the math problem now. Uh, that That's both terrifying and good. And, you know, like it, it's cool to kind of see that. So it, yeah, it, it is kind of a, a weird spot where the Bucks are, are kind of this young, fun team. And uh, the other thing that kind of popped up today was uh, I, now that I'm with the athletic Wisconsin, I'm doing a bunch of radio hits and talking to people. And, you know, one of the things that kept coming up today uh, and it came up with my friend Steve Sparky Pfeiffer over at uh, 105.7 FM, the fan, when we talked and it came up this morning as well. Um, there's just kind of, <laughs> it's strange to think that there's a backlash and there's certainly not going to be a backlash on this podcast. Um, but like, you know, there's just this idea that, um, you know, there's going to be people in the arena, like during the third quarter last night that are like, what the hell? Why don't they take an easier shot? Like, why do they keep shooting threes? Like, why can't you get something easy? And, uh, like as Sparky was kind of describing, like, you know, there's, it, it just doesn't feel like the basketball I've come to know that, you know, like everyone's out there shooting 43s per game. And um, like I said, on this podcast, it, it's celebratory, right? Like, excellent. They've figured it out. But, you know, like there are some people still out there that that aren't ready to watch teams chuck up a bunch of threes. And I, like, I don't, there's part of me that wants to say, well, 
deal with it um, because this is how the game is played now. And then there's the other part of me that's like, yeah, I can kind of get it. Like, you know, if you think everyone's going to start doing this and it's just going to become like the uniform way to play basketball, like I can understand some hesitance there. But I do feel like there is a, the beautiful thing about the NBA always has been to me that there's going to be stylistic differences between every single team that plays. No matter, no matter if everyone's kind of striving for the same goal, like whether it's dictated by personnel or coaching, like teams are going to play differently. Yeah. There's also a huge difference between difference between like not loving the aesthetics of guys taking lots of threes and thinking it's like not a good strategy because I think, yep, you know, like not liking threes is, you know, again, from an, like if you don't like the way that looks, or you think it's some corruption of the basketball you grew up with, or something like that. I mean, whatever. That's just a subjective view of what you like to see. So, knock yourself out, right? Um, but yeah. if you're going to say, well, it's not a smart way to play basketball, and you know, if you're the person who, when they miss some threes, says, oh, well, they should, you know, step and in, step inside a few feet and take a mid ranger. Um, you know, then I would say, no, you're like, just look at the data, you know, like look at the teams that, you know, have, have succeeded. And again, like, yeah, if you're like Kevin Durant, you can pretty much shoot from anywhere, including the mid range. And you can take fadeaways and you can do all sorts of stuff. And, you know, cause you're one of the 10 to 15 greatest players of all time. Like, yeah, you can do that kind of stuff, but, um, like acting like taking lower expected value shots is going to be some, thing that you actually proactively want to do if you're just a general yep. you know overall team like you know i mean the numbers are really unambiguous right like Giannis is a good example not a good three-point shooter but also like not a good uh two-point jump shooter <laughs> and you know you just do the math yeah. it's like it's not even close like what the expected points on a Giannis three are versus on a Giannis, you know outside the paint too like it's unambiguous right and i get it like you can't just you know flip a switch and just turn all of his long twos into threes but um i mean so far he's kind of doing that and obviously he just hasn't hit a lot of threes so far but um but thankfully you know i think hopefully the, the three he hit in the fourth quarter yesterday hopefully that's a sign of things turning around and obviously you know i mean Giannis is not going to shoot you know eight percent or whatever he shot he shot in his first three games like yeah we know he's better than that i mean we're not gonna say he's gonna be a really good three-point shooter but um but yeah and again i i think like probably the the edge extreme example you know sort of the edge scenario is you know john henson shooting threes i think you know even myself as a as a basketball you know modern basketball fan three-point fan um will admit that yeah you know i don't know if you like want john henson to like really push the envelope on that too much. Um, but by the same token, I think that also just sort of says like, well, maybe you just don't want to play John Henson that much. If you can't do, if you can't shoot threes consistently, it'll be yeah. interesting to see like how big of a sample he actually gets, like how many threes does he actually end up taking and how, you know, how many does he actually make over a, a longer period? It was nice to see him hit those two the other night, but, um, but yeah, so I, I think it's just, I, I would just make sure that we differentiate between those two, you know, is it the subjective? What what do I think looks nice, or you know, is it too different from what I'm used to? Whatever, like those are just opinions, and you know, if you're a fan, you can like or dislike whatever you want. Um, I personally think it's fun, especially when it works. Um, I like seeing my team score lots <laughs> of points and um, play really fast and share the ball. And um, obviously, that's a really you know, I think that's a byproduct that that I think any fan should like, right? Like 
who wants to see like pounding the ball in the post iso ball type stuff i don't think that's really particularly aesthetically pleasing either so um so anyway yeah i think uh it's it's different and maybe that's maybe the hardest part for a lot of people yeah uh, and uh, like i i should say that i didn't really expect it to go any differently like i think whenever you have a drastic change and i mean going from shooting 25 threes a night to shooting 40 threes per night like yeah, it, that that is significant, and you know, you you throw in John Henson shooting threes, like so. Like, I get that it is going to be very different, and people are going to have to take a little while to adjust to it. But yeah, it uh, it doesn't surprise me that there are people out there that feel that way. Um, but yeah, that when you when you look at the the math and. You know, as Giannis so eloquently explained to me last night, you know, if you look at it statistically, there's just no reason to think that you should ever be, uh, you know, taking more twos. And, you know, the the math is always going to the math is always going to come out in the end for for shooting threes. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to. We'll just have to kind of see and everyone will get used to it. And, you know, in, in another month, everyone will just kind of be ready to go and know that the Bucks are going to put up a bunch of threes. So, um, sorry, that was a bit of a diversion, something I wasn't ready to talk about tonight, but that was something that was kind of on my mind today. So uh, going back to some of the things that we want to talk about from last night's game, I had mentioned these uh, last night, but I want to talk a little bit about Bledsoe's pass and I want to talk a little bit about Giannis's whistle, and then we can preview the Sixers a little bit uh, in the final part. But um, Eric Bledsoe, 13 assists last night. Um, if I looked this up correctly, that's the most assists he's had as a Milwaukee buck. Yeah. I, I might be right. They said during the broadcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry, Frank. I don't get to watch the broadcast. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> confirming. You know, I have, I have, uh, you know, the the assist from Jim Paskey and uh, Marcus Johnson that you don't get. So, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, it, as I like, kind of think through all of this, I think obviously a, a kind of a, a bump in assists is going to come from shooting more threes. Like that just kind of naturally comes. Like if you think about the way that, you know, you get three point attempts and you think about the way that you get, uh, you get just those like long two looks, believe it or not, a lot, of, a lot of the times those long twos come after, you know, a lot of dribbling, um, a, a lot of kind of pounding the basketball while threes are going to be more catch and shoot looks. And well, if it's a catch and shoot look, that means it is an assist opportunity. And, you know, I was just kind of like working on something about Chris Middleton for the athletic tomorrow. And, you know, like you think through that sequence where he hits threes on three straight possessions in the second quarter and, one is an assist from Bledsoe where Middleton comes up the right sideline, just kind of weaves over, gets like a half kind of screen from Brooke Lopez and hits a three in semi-transition. And then you think about Eric Bledsoe uh, driving in, doesn't throw a particularly good pass, throws one at Middleton's feet. It also might've been a pass to Ersan Ilyasova. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, it looked like he might've missed Ersan and had it go over to uh Middleton, but Middleton picks it up at his feet, hits a three, and okay, in about 60 seconds, Eric Bledsoe has two assists. And like I just think there's there's going to be nights where he racks up a bunch, and it, that's a, a byproduct of shooting more threes, shooting earlier in the clock, and you know shooting a lot more off the pass. Like I don't, it, this is obviously an outlier for what he's done thus far with the Bucks, but I don't. I don't know that it's going to be an outlier for what he may do under on, under Mike Boonholzer. 
Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting guy because I think, you know, probably a lot of frustration with Bledsoe, aside from, you know, some of the jump shooting decisions he makes, um, has been that, you know, he's not like a natural, like, superb playmaker, right? Like, he's not one of the elite passers in the league, right? Um, Especially, like, as a pick-and-roll guy, like, he's fine, I think. Um, But he's not, you know, next-level pick-and-roll passer. Um, He's not a, you know, terrific lob passer, um, we've seen him try to throw some really kind of um, high lobs to Giannis in uh, in some kind of pick and rolls uh, early this season. I think in the last game, like one worked nicely. The other, um, I think, was like might have been tipped. And then he, he's thrown a couple where I thought Giannis was going to finish and then didn't. Um, he also did throw a nice, um, like long, uh, kind of like lob entry pass to Giannis um, in the second half yep. last night that, that actually worked. Um, but he's, he you know, he's interesting because he's also not like, I mean, there is a cool pass quotient with with Eric Bledsoe. though. Um, yeah, you know he and of course some of them are you know maybe the kinds of passes that would um, you know be the kind that that you wouldn't necessarily recommend a young player uh, do like the jump up in the air <laughs> glide. Him and Giannis yeah. are really doing a lot of those this yeah. year, where they're just like I'm up in the air, and then they just throw it out, and it's like oh, Brooke Lopez is out on a wing and somehow caught it and hit a three. Yeah. And somehow it, it works out. And obviously Bledsoe with his strength and athleticism can kind of get away with those um, maybe more than, uh, than, than most guys would. Um, so, you know, he kind of gets away with it a fair bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Bledsoe is one of those guys who, um, you know, if he's playing in a system that's maybe not so well suited towards it to him, you know, he's probably a slightly, you know, he's probably a below average point guard in the grand scheme of the league. Um, if he's playing in a system that actually works well, um, he's an above average point guard in this league. And, and that's saying something because the bar for point guards in the NBA is, is very high right now. Um, it's not it's not an insult to say you're an average starting point guard in the NBA. Um, but I think right now, I mean, you know, with him kind of playing within himself, cutting down on, you know, kind of mid-range shots. I mean, um, last year he took 30. So I'm just looking at his cleaning the glass numbers last year. Um, he took 30% of his shots from mid range, which is actually a very low percentage for a point guard. Um, and that ranked him, in, ranked him in the 22nd percentile for point guard. So very low actually. Um, and he's, you know, always been above average in terms of like the proportion of shots he gets at the rim. Um, this year, uh, he's cut his mid range shots from 30% of his shots to 12%, which probably isn't surprising because, you know, that's how the Bucks are doing doing it. Uh, in particular, long threes, 17% last year, 3% so far this year. Um, and his threes, 34% of his total shots last year were threes. This year, 50%. So he's dramatically tr- turned that up, especially from the corners. Last year, um, and actually every year really for the last five, six years, he's been at 5% or less, or actually last year was 6%, but basically 6% or fewer of his um, shots were coming from corners, which kind of makes sense, right? Like you're a point guard, you're not going to end up in the corner very much. Um, but with the way the Bucks kind of new offense is working, he's actually taken 21% of his threes or sorry, 20% of his overall shots have been corner threes and his above the break threes have actually been pretty much the same 28% last year, 29% this year. So really all that bump is coming from being in that corner more and getting more of those three point shots. He had a huge corner three yesterday. Um, that helped kind of seal the game. And again, like right now he's shooting, you know, like 41% from three, obviously the career numbers would put him, 
you know, firmly below that, you know, right in the mid thirties. Um, he was at 35% last year. So again, he may not keep up this level of, of shooting, but he's also, I'd say, you know, being going to be in a spot like a lot of bucks players where he's going to get better looks from three. He's going to be probably more set. Um, he really struggled as a uh, pull up three point shooter last year. He was pretty good as a, a catch and shoot guy. So, um, to the extent that he's, you know, also able to play off the ball a little bit, get catch and shoot opportunities that, that I think should also help his, his three point percentage. So, um, so yeah. And, and again, like his rim finishing last year, he was in the 96th percentile as a point guard, 67% at the rim this year, he's 75% in the early going. So, um, you know, we've seen a number of occasions where he's been able to just pretty much waltz to the rim, <laughs> um, cause he's really quick and strong and he can beat guys off the dribble, especially in switches and, as we talked about, everybody's coming. To, everyone coming in the season was talking about Giannis getting more space with all the shooters, um, but Bledsoe has perhaps actually benefited more than than even Giannis so far from being in a spread offense where um, you know again he's still getting opportunities to pass and drive and you know kind of pick pick defenses apart, but also be able to score a bit himself, get open looks from three. So again, this is probably not a sustainable <laughs> uh, level of efficiency from him, but it's certainly a positive. And you know, you wrote about. His defense, he does look more engaged defensively, or at least more consistently engaged defensively. Um, we'll yeah. see how long that lasts. He's obviously been a guy who's had kind of uh, bouts of inconsistency, let's say defensively, but playing for a good point guard on a good team, hopefully that's something that um, can can get the most out of him. It's funny you mentioned like the turnovers and, and kind of the overall profile because... Um, it, the, the piece I was working on kind of didn't come together, but I, I was like thinking about corner threes and, you know, Brooke Lopez is shooting a lot more corner threes than he has in the past. He was pretty much purely like an above the break three guy. Um, and then I was talking to blood. So kind of about the same thing. And I just remember asking him like, you know, what is, you know, kind of playing, playing in the corner a little bit more getting to that corner. That isn't something you've often done. Like typically you're shooting threes above the break. Like what is be in the corner kind of felt like and been like for you. And he's like, it's going to cut down on my turnovers, man. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Like, I think that there will be part of that where like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to turn the ball over as much because you won't have it in your hands in the middle of the floor as much. So um, that is certainly one thing that I think helps out there. And then, I mean, I just think it's going to be interesting for a lot of those guys that, you know, so you look at the starting lineup and, those five guys are all guys that have been high usage guys, all of them uh, up and down. Like even Malcolm Brogdon, who's probably the lesser of those, like he's been a point guard before. Uh, and now he's kind of in like a shooting guard role, but all five of those guys are guys that, you know, have had high usage before. And now all of them are kind of getting used to, okay, I'll be on, the, I'll be in the corner here. I'll be on the wing here. Like I won't be in the middle of the floor. I won't have the ball in my hands. And it, like, it is a big adjustment. And I will say like, I, I think really on both ends, Bledsoe has done surprisingly well to me um, just to, just to kind of see him accept that as much as, as he has, because, you know, we've seen him in the past, like kind of stall out the ball, hold on to it a little bit too long, but uh, at the moment, it is working for, you know, this entire starting lineup outside of Giannis is playing for a contract next year. Um, Middleton, Lopez, Bledsoe, Brogdon all need, uh, you know, a, 
extensions or new contracts. So uh, with all those guys, like at the moment it's working together that they're all kind of getting to put up points. Like Chris is, is getting to, I think averaging 24 now after 30 last night and Bledsoe has a 13 assist game and he's been efficient and he's been able to score. Like it, it's working out and I'm just, I'm wondering, you know, if, if there is a, a couple game losing streak in there, if it starts to go bad and um, I don't know, but thus far, I think everything has been, you know, pretty, pretty positive and i'm just wondering you know if blood so if if his shot profile gets to change a little bit if you do get to take out some of those pull-up threes and instead use catch and shoot corner threes like does that does that make all of those improvements or you know slight upgrades more real like it, it could very well be but uh we just don't really have a sample size and we don't really know kind of where any of that will be so um yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that with Bledsoe. All right, uh, anything else there? Or are we ready to go to Giannis? Let's go to Giannis. So Giannis Dedekumbo has 29 field goal attempts last night. Uh, he shoots six free throws. Seems like a, a guy that he only took three threes, uh, and we know that Giannis is focused on rim attempts and threes uh he did take some longer jumpers last night so i'm not gonna say that there were 26 shots in the paint but you know there was a lot of shots in the paint and uh just really not a lot of free throws for him so he shoots six that night against the pacers 12 of 23 from the field he shoots three free throws that night uh and then in charlotte he shoots 12 free throws that night i think that's probably a little bit closer to to acceptable and um you know like it it is kind of a, a strange thing to me to it. I shouldn't say it's strange because I think it happens throughout basketball, like where, you know, like skilled guys that are pretty big, like at times can, can get bad whistles. Like I think LeBron can get a bad whistle. Uh, Shaq certainly got a bad whistle cause he was just like too big that they, they felt bad for all these small guys. Um, I think Embiid gets a pretty okay whistle that might have to do with some of the flopping that he does and all, all of the, the talking that he does as well. Um, but I do think like there, at least to start this season, Giannis hasn't gotten a particularly good whistle. And I, I am, I'm curious kind of if or when that changes, because, you know, that's kind of something we talked about during the off season, or at least something I mentioned that, you know, I'm curious if at some point Giannis can figure out how to do the how to do the harden arms out, get a slap on the wrist and finish through it. Like, I think he would have the strength to do so. But, you know, you have to call those fouls and he has to be able to go to the line for him to be able to to take full advantage of all that. And we just really haven't seen that to this point. Yeah. And to be honest, I think he's so big and long. Like, I mean, like with Harden, I mean, obviously Harden is is a great you know, he's, he's really strong and super savvy. Um, but it kind of makes sense to me that a guy like him, who's obviously, you know, also uh, clearly a better free throw shooter than Giannis as well. Um, you know, it's harder for him to finish at, at the rim anyway. So the fact that he looks for fouls kind of makes more sense to me versus Giannis should be able to just kind of go up and dunk the ball most of the time. So it's like, yeah. you know, playing for fouls is a little more self-defeating, um, than, than if you're like really any guard, I would say. Um, but yeah, it, it has felt like he's gotten a tough whistle. Um, you know, teams have been able to really kind of use use their bodies, um, and and even just around the, I don't know, it just it just seems like everything. Like he's just 
there's been a lot of plays where he's missing shots at, near the basket and taking some hits and um, really not getting, getting, as you said, a, a charitable whistle. I mean, for him to go, um, you know, two straight games and get, what, nine free throws total, I mean, you know, especially when you look at the volumes, I mean, 29 shots and 23 shots, I think, like 52 shots and he only gets nine free throw attempts. Like yeah. uh, that, that just, the math just doesn't kind of make sense on that. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, um, he, he's been surprisingly not, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's complaining much about it. Um, I've given him chances after every game. I have given him a chance and he will, he will largely not do it. He will typically say, like, you know, I just got to keep playing harder and say something that won't get him fine. But I have given him chances after each of these games to complain about it. Yeah. I mean, and he's also missing some shots that he shouldn't. Right. I mean, I think that's yes. to be clear too. It's not like 100%. he's just getting fouled a lot and, and it's none of it's on him. I mean, he obviously has had, and he's admitted as much, you know, about just running through people and, um, you know, just being sloppy, right, with travels and and, uh, and and offensive fouls. And offensive fouls have always been a problem for him. Um, so it, it is interesting because as as you know, you you when you interviewed him, he pointed out, like, I mean, he's not throwing the ball away. Like these are all pretty much like dead ball, you know, type turnovers, which is better than a live ball turnover. But obviously, it's still still far more than <laughs> than you want. Um, yep. so it'll be interesting because I mean, right now he's at almost, he's at, I think he's had the same number of turnovers as assists in the first three games. And obviously like Giannis being unlocked as a, you know, more of a playmaker than he was last year has a more limited value. If he's also like turning the ball over by an even bigger margin, right? I think last year he was at 4.8 assists and three turnovers a game. This year he's five, seven and five, seven. Um, so obviously we need to see a little bit better there, but you know, and that's kind of the, the I guess the flip side here of the Bucks offense clicking so well is that, you know, in some ways it seems like Giannis is the only guy who who kind of hasn't, you know, the main guys hasn't kind of found his kind of complete rhythm quite yet. And of course, it's ironic given he's still putting up, you know, huge numbers. Um, but the efficiency obviously isn't there right now. Um, he's only at like 50% true shooting. So he should be at, you know, 60% where he's been the last two years at least. Um, and when you look at just the number of shots he's getting in the paint, uh, it's not like he's suddenly being forced into being a jump shooter, right? Like he's obviously taking some some threes, um, but he's not taking really until the fourth quarter of last game. He wasn't really taking many mid-rangers, um, and he was obviously getting a lot of stuff at the rim and, um, you know, just kind of stuff just not going down. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the missed dunk he had in Charlotte. Um, I guess it was technically blocked. Like he, he kind of went up, looked like he was going to throw down a huge dunk early in the game against the Knicks, uh, and it got uh, they got a piece of it, and... Um, might have gotten a piece of his arm too, <laughs> um, yeah. but uh, but you know it looked just like he missed a dunk kind of. So um, anyway, not you know not worried about Giannis, but it, it's also kind of remarkable too, right? I mean, we kind of wondered like was this more you know egalitarian sort of bud offense going to mean Giannis has to sacrifice shots, have to sacrifice his scoring a little bit, right? Like I, I said in the beginning before the season, I felt more confident. His assists were going to go up, then his points. I think I, you know, we both still took the over on him increasing his scoring this year. Um, but like right now, he's at twenty-seven point three per game, despite playing fewer minutes and not hitting a very high percentage of his shots and not getting that many free throws. Um, but he's still getting tons of shots in the flow of this offense, and that's pretty fun. Because I mean, if Giannis starts <laughs> scoring at like Giannis efficiency levels, I mean, I mentioned the other day too. I mean, he's he'd be at 30 points a game plus. Um, so 
again, we'll see. We'll see how it kind of evolves. I mean, I think a lot of obviously defenses are also still having to adjust to what they're seeing from the Bucks, and we'll see what kind of adjustments teams start to make. Um, although the irony is, you know, if teams start just like switching everything, that that's not going to mean fewer shots for the Bucks. <laughs> um, like if you want to, you know, if you want to kind of shut down the Bucks, you probably need to switch and then just live with Giannis getting shots one on one. Because um, if you send a bunch of people at Giannis or you don't switch, that's how the Bucks are probably going to get a lot of open threes. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any, there's no, there's no secret sauce to stopping Giannis at this point. You know, you just have to hope he misses shots and he's done a fair bit of that in the first few games. But hopefully that ends, uh, ends on Wednesday. I think it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, if you, if you look at a box score, and you wouldn't have watched any of the Bucks games. And you saw, you know, the point total and rebound total that Giannis has put up. You'd see his assists. You would see the Bucks offense just generally putting up big numbers. You'd be like, oh my gosh, Giannis has to be the MVP through the first week. He has to be just crushing it. Like he's got to be out there putting up numbers and, you know, he must be an unstoppable force. And, I don't know that he's played a good game yet. By his and, uh, by like, his yeah, of, of course. But like, he hasn't played well. Like, I, I didn't feel like there was a game where it was like, yep, Giannis played a great game tonight. Like, that game hasn't happened yet. Like, he's played good. He's had moments. Like, obviously, uh, there's been quarters where he's just kind of taken over for a good portion of it. You think of the fourth quarter against the Knicks. And again, I, I understand I'm grading on a, a heavy curve because that's kind of what Giannis deserves. But you know, like if if you're really thinking about this offense and what it can do, like Giannis really hasn't figured out his spots yet. Like he hasn't really figured out exactly how to do all of this yet. And this offense has still been just killing it. Um, so I think if if you're looking from the outside and trying to figure out, you know, can this Bucks team still get better? Like offensively they certainly can like uh, i think and i should say the same defense but i think they get a lot better on both sides and it does kind of start with Giannis to me that uh it's it's just really interesting to me that as he pointed out like he's not throwing the ball away but he is being used as uh the hub of the offense a little bit more like he is being used in a playmaking role more like obviously all of those post-ups that he has like have kind of turned into playmaking opportunities and like those aren't the moments he's screwing up like it isn't like he's backing down there's a backside flare and he's airmailing it out of bounds or he's throwing it to another team like we saw him do it once uh with nick batum in that hornets game but for the most part it's just like Giannis is in transition and going a little bit too fast and he gets travel or Giannis gets it on the right wing and decides that he wants to uh, attack the basket now. And he just goes a little bit too heavy or uh, he gets to the brim and doesn't finish. And like, there's just a bunch of things that, that he can really get a lot better at in this offense. And he can really figure out um, how he's going to excel in this offense. And he, I, I don't think he's done it yet. And that, to me is, you know, kind of a, a scary thing uh, for for really anyone around the league that they're putting up these numbers and Giannis really hasn't found his way quite yet. And also the fact that Giannis not finding his way is averaging 27 and I don't even know how many rebounds it is now, 13. Uh, and like 
that's terrifying. Like that he can he can kind of put up those averages. Uh, 27, 16 rebounds, excuse me, per game. Uh, 5.7 assists per game. Uh, like he can put up those numbers, and he's not even playing that well uh, at this point. So like, that that has to be just. I mean, one, it's just ludicrous to even say that. And uh, again, people can get mad at me for saying that, you know, I don't think he's played that well yet. And I really just don't think he has. And I think if you'd ask him, he would say the same thing, that he doesn't feel that he's played that well. He hasn't found his spots. He hasn't found uh, exactly how he's going to attack. And uh, that should be a scary thing. And I think every Bucks fan should kind of look forward to him actually finding his spots and, and kind of figuring out exactly how he's going to attack going forward. Uh, at the top of that list that should be worried about that are the Philadelphia 76ers who will be in town uh, here on Wednesday night, a late tip, 830 central time uh, as the Bucks are the second in uh a double header on ESPN so that they will be the late game, 8.30 tip in Milwaukee, uh, and they will be going up against the Sixers. And the Sixers are kind of a weird spot here as um, I've had a number of people ask me, like, oh, are there minutes restrictions on Embiid? Is he going to play in the back-to-back? Like, how's that all going to go? And one, there is no – the Brett Brown has said there are no minutes restrictions on Joel this year. Uh, so that – should be a good thing. And that should point to him being able to play uh, against the bucks, but also he played 39 minutes in an overtime game that the Sixers lost 133 to 132. And then also on top of that, Ben Simmons set out that game with a back injury. So is he going to be ready to go uh, with that back injury and in Milwaukee and uh, are the bucks going to see him? I don't know. Uh, so uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird spot where, Joel Embiid is somehow more certain for a back-to-back than Ben Simmons. And well, that's just, just kind of what it's going to be. So I I don't know. What are you, what are you expecting from this game that I I think as I've talked with people, like a lot of people are hyping up. A lot of people are saying the Bucks haven't played anyone yet. You look at the Hornets and they're not any good, which I think is probably a little bit unfair. Like I think the Hornets are, Hornets are they'll be a playoff team. Like they're going to be a playoff team. And you can say the Knicks are terrible because they are like, that's fine with me, but the Pacers, they're a, four to six seed in the East. Um, like uh, Those two teams were playoff teams. So they beat two Eastern Conference playoff teams. And I understand I said Eastern Conference, so everyone can take a shit on them, whatever. I don't care. Um, but those were good teams. So a lot of people are kind of hyping this game up as like the first real test for the Bucks, and, and I see that and I get it. And I understand kind of the standing and the, the cachet that goes along with the Philadelphia 76ers in this moment. But um, I guess is, is that kind of where you're thinking? Like first real test, like it, this is a big game or is it just like, oh, it's game four. No, I mean, it's early in the season. I think every game is, you know, kind of feels like it has greater urgency. Well, maybe not urgency, but it feels like it means more just because, especially with the Bucks, like it it feels like, wow, our sample size is so small. This is a new look team. They're doing things so differently. Like every game feels like still like kind of a mini referendum on what they are and how they're going to play. And are they really going to keep kind of shooting threes at this pace and doing kind of these things um, that we'd been kind of hoping for them to do for so long. So um, I I think it's a big deal. You know, I mean, again, like I, I don't, I don't know how much I care about this, but I think in the grand scheme of, you know, like the league and fandom, like I think people also 
always care more about these national television games, you know, like especially when your team like the Bucks, where it's like you're up and coming, you don't feel like you're like maybe getting the respect or have gotten the respect that you deserve. So it feels like a big opportunity to like kind of show everyone what you're made of, how good you are. I mean, a year ago, I mean, one of the probably the most entertaining games of last season came, I believe that was an ESPN game when the Bucks yep. went down what like they had, but did they have two 20 point deficits or something like that in that game? Yep. And they end up it was crazy. winning pretty, I think they went pretty convincingly right in that game. I mean, it was just yeah. a super bizarre game. Um, really fun. Cause that was a game when um, all of our Philly fan friends uh, ventured to uh, Milwaukee and, um, you know, <laughs> they were going to be bringing home their, 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 you know, what are the, bust the process i think they went to a bulls game and yes and um, they were ready to boo brogdon and then brogdon didn't play so they had to boo tony snell right just totally randomly they picked tony snell poor tony snell um and uh and yeah they and they were pretty loud obviously at, at various points but um they went home losers so uh suck it like the fan <laughs> friend. um but uh but anyway so and, th- and that was a big night for Giannis. so that was obviously a really fun game and um, and I think it's it's interesting, right? Because this is our first chance. I mean, obviously, you look at the East. Um, there are three teams that I think you know everybody kind of has their eye on as far as you know the teams that have been deemed sort of legit contenders for the East. And the Sixers, I would argue, are, are kind of the probably the least serious or most flawed of those three, with Boston and Toronto being the other uh, the other two. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, again, like I, I, I mean, we just can only guess if Simmons will play um and beat obviously the expectations that he will um and obviously if Simmons doesn't play then it it kind of loses maybe some of the significance but you know in the grand scheme of geez if you want to compete for home court like you want to bank every win you can especially early tiebreaker 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 exactly you can get you know early wins racked up that's that's big just in terms of boosting yourself up in the standings and then getting those tiebreakers. Um, so, uh, so it's a big game regardless. Um, but I think it's also interesting because Boston and Toronto, I feel like can play very differently. Like they can kind of adapt more because of their depth um, and the versatility of some of the lineups they can throw out there. Uh, like I'm really curious to see how the Bucks fare when those teams, uh, especially Toronto, like goes small. I, I don't know how much, uh, Boston goes small in the sense that like Al Horford should always be on the court. Um, but Al Horford being on the court also may make it hard to play Brooke Lopez. So it'll be interesting how the Bucks, have, you know, handle that when the time comes. But, um, but with Philly, obviously their best player is an enormous human being. Uh, and then they have Simmons, who's a like non-shooting 6'10 primary ball handler. So he's just like a really weird player to play against. They obviously don't play like a lot of like kind of very standard pick and roll, like a lot of teams. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. Cause I mean, so much of what we've discussed with the Bucks defense has been, well, how they, de- how they de- defend pick and rolls. And obviously against a team like uh, Philadelphia, like it's just a different kind of game. You have to play a little bit, or at least like, you know, I think the, the, the terms are, are a bit different the way you have to win. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting because the Bucks, I think, with adding Brook Lopez, they can play bigger than they could last year. Um, and especially against a team like Philly, um, you know, especially with Embiid, we talked about him last year. He didn't shoot threes well. Um, I don't think he shot. I don't know what he's what he's shot this year yet. But um, but again, like you know, he can step out a little bit. But I mean, realistically, obviously, he wants to get closer to the basket. And 
Um, you know, he had a monster game against Brook Lopez and the Lakers in LA last year. Um, and so certainly there's, I don't know. I don't know if there's a Brook Lopez wants to redeem himself a little bit there. Um, but at least on paper, certainly Lopez being also a pretty enormous human being gives him a little bit better chance to, you know, not get overwhelmed versus, you know, a guy like John Henson or, or Thon Maker. So it, it will be fun to watch um, just kind of how those matchups play. And, and obviously I think probably the more important thing is not so much even how you stop Embiid, um, especially if Simmons isn't playing, you're probably just going to have to live with Embiid getting his and just hoping you stop everybody else. Um, but on the other end, um, you know, again, if you have, if you can play Brooke Lopez and space out to the three point line, I mean, hello, really- open lanes. Yeah, if you can move Joel Embiid out of that lane where he's one of the league's best rim protectors um, and and shot deters, um, th- that's huge. So I'm I'm really curious to see how how that works because uh, this is a game where, like, I think playing John Henson rather than Brook Lopez um, is is a major disadvantage. Just because again, um, I, I don't know if how well Henson can hold up defensively given just the, his his lack of bulk, and then on the other end. Um, you know, again, as much as Henson might shoot threes, you know, I mean, if you're Joel Embiid, I don't think you're going to stray too far out of the paint to, to mark, uh, John Henson. So it will be interesting to see just sort of how, uh, how the give and take works with that. But, um, but they're an interesting team and, uh, you know, Mark Fultz also like continuing to start, but like he hasn't been starting the second halves of games because they've been a lot worse with him on the court generally. So just a lot of interesting subplots, but, you know, fundamentally, I mean, you know, Hey, you know, this first time in what 13 years the Bucks have started three and zero. I don't know what the stats are on four and zero, but um, you know, the 2001, 2002. There you go. The longer you can stay undefeated and just keep up this hot start and continue to build confidence. I mean, obviously, you want to keep it going as long as you can. I will say, maybe you don't want to replicate 2001, 2002 yeah. because things went to shit yeah. in that year. So um, maybe it, it would be better to, to drop this. I'm just kidding. Um, you want to win this one. But yeah, I mean, I think this Sixers team is really interesting because it was... I said it throughout the offseason. I said it last season. Like They took off when... Ironically enough, they got Ersan Ilyasova and they got Marco Bellinelli. Uh, then they lost that shooting, and now they don't really have that shooting. Um, like that, there just isn't really a, to yep. me a, a ton of shooting on the floor, uh, especially with Fultz kind of being whatever the hell his jump shot is. Um, like with that, Muscala hasn't really stretched the floor in the same way. Amir Johnson obviously doesn't do that. Um, I mean, they're kind of relying on Landry Shamet uh, to do so, who's a rookie, and like they just don't have the shooting, and uh, that that really makes the the floor shrink when you have a guy like Joel Embiid, and then you're pairing it with a guy like Ben Simmons. Like it gets really difficult, and ironically enough, uh, for me, I don't, I don't even know how to say this. Like I don't really think the interesting slash difficult part of covering the Sixers comes with either of those guys in regards to what the Sixers do and what the Bucks do defensively. To me, it's JJ Redick handoffs. Like they just yeah. hand it, they just run handoffs to JJ Redick all the damn time. Uh, and they just go and go and go and go and go. Um, and I, I think our, our friend Jared Dubin had him at 27 dribble handoffs tonight to JJ Redick, um, which is just an ins- insane amount. And so when you're talking about kind of how, uh, the, the terms of, of the game are dictated, you know, 
that's kind of part of it is dribble handoffs with Joel Embiid. So maybe you don't go out on Joel Embiid with Brooke Lopez, but all of a sudden Joel Embiid is handing it off to JJ Redick and well, your big is all the way down there and you're going to have to hope that your guard has actively chased as well as he can. And, you know, we kind of saw the Bucks handle that uh, pretty well against Victor Oladipo, a guy that can't really shoot pull-up threes. And we saw them kind of get hurt by that uh, when they played a guy in Kemba Walker that could do that. And J.J. Redick might be among the best at somehow managing to set his feet at a full sprint. So uh, Eric Bledsoe and uh, Malcolm Brogdon and whoever's going to be on J.J. Redick is going to kind of be tested like that. They've been bringing J.J. Redick off the bench, and he's been the guy that starts for Fultz in the second half. Uh, so he gets a bunch of minutes, but to me, that's that's kind of the interesting thing with this Bucks defense. And I, that I know I understand the sacrilege that kind of sounds like when you have a guy as talented as Ben Simmons and you have a guy as talented as Joel Embiid on the squad. Um, but that is kind of what I feel like is, I don't want to say going to swing the game, but to me, the most interesting thing about how this Bucks defense handles uh, that Sixers offense. So um, that'll be something that I'm keeping my eyes on. Um, anything else with that game? Or are you ready to wrap it up, Frank? Wrap it up. All right. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow night late. Ugh, that's going to be really late. Uh, after the Sixers and Bucks get together in Milwaukee at 8.30 p.m. So for Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.